The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Ticking Stock with Kelly McMillan. If the name sounds like a business show to you, then you've got it all wrong. Kelly McMillan is the principal of McMillan Fiberglass Stocks and will talk about shooting for fun, competition, hunting, and self-defense. Now, here is your host, Kelly McMillan. Welcome to Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. I'm your host, and for the next hour, we're going to be discussing all things related to firearms. I'm really excited about our show today. I've got two distinguished uh, former Marines. Um, we're going to start with... F- Freddie Blish, former colonel in the Marine Corps, owns uh, Robar Incorporated, which is a, a small business here in Arizona, but uh, serves the firearms community countrywide and, and probably worldwide. So That's correct, Kelly. Cool. Freddie, welcome. Hey, thank you, Kelly, for inviting me on your show. I'm uh, excited to be here. Well, let's start with uh, a little background on you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about, um, you know, where you grew up, you know, um, how you got into uh, the Marines and then into the firearms industry? Well, I grew up in a, a small town in Vermont. Uh, whatever reason, uh, I just had kind of an interest in the military, and my whole life path, you know, kind of led me that direction. Uh, after I graduated from high school, I went to a, a small private military college, uh, the nation's oldest private military college, actually in Vermont, Norwich University. Uh, I uh, while there. Uh, uh, discovered uh, there were some cadets that uh, were uh, going to become officers in the Marine Corps. Their demeanor, their uh, the way they carried themselves, uh, just everything about them led me down that path. So through the uh, Marine uh, the Marine Corps Platoon Leader Commission Program, uh, that's how I kind of got my, my start as a Marine. Uh, graduated from Norwich, became an officer in the Marine Corps, uh, served uh, 21 years active duty, uh, retired as a lieutenant colonel in uh, May of 2007. Uh, my career in the Marine Corps was varied. Uh, did a lot of uh, you know interesting things, uh, and uh, got to travel the world quite a bit. Uh, you know for the for the Marine Corps and, and for our country. Um, and that included deployments to Iraq, uh, as well as uh, being stationed in Panama uh, just after Just Cause, and. The, uh, when I retired from the Marine Corps, I became Aimpoint's Director of Military Business Development and uh, worked for them for four years and then did a, uh, uh, about a year and a half with Uluru Tactical, uh, working for them as their Director of Government Sales, did a short stint with a uh, government contractor, SOC. Um, they, do, they were working with the Department of State. Um, following Benghazi, I thought might be a good idea to find a, a more... Uh, uh, a better line of employment where I don't, where I've got, uh, I don't have to worry about my government having my back. Um, anyways, uh, that's kind of how I ended up at Robar. I, I had known Robbie Barkman, who owned Robar at, the, at that time, um, from my time in the Marine Corps. Uh, I had had brought John Farnham in to do a uh, handgun class for a number of our Marines, and 
he had noted in one of his DTI quips that he would write and send out to all of his uh, um, students and followers about the uh, shoddy uh, Checkmate magazines that were used. Uh, Marine Corps bought a bunch of them, and they had a lot of problems with spring tension, um, other issues. And Robbie had read about it and contacted John and said, you know, this can't stand. We've got to get better uh, you know, gear for our guys. And he reached out to Wolf. Uh, and uh, bought like 10,000 magazine springs. And, and uh, that's how um, I, my first meeting with Robbie, and then uh, we became friends, uh, of course. And then uh, when he asked me to come be the general manager for Roll Bar, I said, sure. Uh, was general manager for three years. And then uh, he, uh, in, in an effort to simplify his life, asked if I would be willing to uh, you know, purchase Roll Bar. And uh, it all worked out. And so now, now I'm the owner. That's awesome. I want to go back to something you said earlier. You said you were in school, and did this school have other branches of the military as part of their curriculum, uh, or is it strictly military, and then you decide how you're going to use that later? What intrigued me was that you said that those that were in the Marine Corps program kind of exemplified what you wanted to be. Well, Absolutely. It's funny that, uh, you know, Norwich University, we used to joke, was a joint military school before joint was even a word. Uh, uh, When I first got there, it was primarily Army and Air Force ROTC. Uh, Through the Marine Platoon Commissioning Program, they would commission anywhere between two or three Marine officers a year. My class of 1986, we had six. But on our junior year, Navy ROTC came on board. And now they are the uh, second largest detachment in the nation for Navy ROTC. And they typically produce between uh, 20 and 30 Marine officers a year, as well as other Naval officers. And a number of them actually go into the Naval Special Warfare community. So Norwich truly is a uh, what I would refer to as a joint military school. And it, there's a lot of benefit to that because when um, – Joint actually became something that, you know, uh, through the Goldwater Nichols Act, uh, where the military was pretty much directed by Congress, you will work and play well together. So that way the country benefits from the cohesiveness that you come together as a team. Uh, I had already had that experience in college uh, at Norwich so that when I would interact with officers from other you know, services, I knew what they were capable of doing, and I understood that there were good ones or bad ones, and a lot of it was based on the individual, not necessarily the service. Well, that's, that's really interesting. I, I was just, again, I'll say intrigued by the fact that you you could see in the the guys in the program that were in the Marine program portion of it. Now, was this something that you picked right away, or at what point of your your schooling did you decide which branch you were going to It was a, It was actually my freshman year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was, we have a, it's kind of like a boot camp. Your first semester is, you know, you're called a rook. You're, you know, you have to walk in the gutter. You're, you know, treated basically like a basic recruit in training. Uh, and you, you get, uh, you know, uh, you know, shit on by the upperclassmen, and <laughs> but the those uh, uh, individuals that were going to become officers in the Marine Corps, you could spot them. They they stood out. They they you know how they carried themselves, how they treated others. Um, you know the the training that they had had. 
uh, and again, at that time, all, many of them had only just gone to either uh, Marine Corps boot camp and then maybe uh, the uh, PLC junior program. Some of them had, had gone uh, and completed the PLC senior program. So now, uh, you know, the amount of training they have really wasn't a lot, but it was enough to make them stand out from those that were intending to become officers in the Army or the Air Force. So it was it was significant enough for me anyways. Well, I really appreciate it. I want to take this time to thank you personally for your service. Um, I think you know of uh, our long and storied history with the Marine Corps uh, yes. here at McMillan Fiberglass Stocks. So yes. um, I'm always um, thankful that uh, the people who choose to, to dedicate their life to protecting our freedoms and, and being the guy on the line when it comes down to it. And uh, I appreciate that. Well, we appreciated uh, great companies like McMillan uh, that provided, you know, really excellent product for our guys to use when we were going into harm's way. We never had to worry about McMillan stocks failing our uh, snipers, that's for sure. Well, um, thanks for sharing that. That's that's really exciting. Um, so we've got you into Robar now, and you, you've been the general manager for about three years, and, and you know, I've known Robbie for a long time. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, we're going to have Robbie on the show, and he's going to make a great guest. Uh, you know, yes, Robbie. Yes. He'll, you know, he's just fun to talk to. He's fun to be around. He's uh, he's a good guy. I like his ethics and his uh, humility. And there's a lot about Robbie that I I really enjoy, and I think it'll come across well on on the uh, radio show. But we're talking about you now, and so let's let's talk more about Robar. Um, kind of give us an overview of, of what Robar does and, and talk about mainly what the business is. And um, Let's start off with your website. Well, our, you know, with our website, you can go there and you'll see the basically a really diversified uh, amount of uh, work that we do. You know, it's funny that uh, when I grew up, you know, and I'm reading uh, the various uh, gun magazines, you, you would see ads or articles about Robar. And you, you, you know, uh, basically from, you know, 1986 and on that, you know, if you were going to send your firearm someplace for metal finishing, it was Robar. Um, but what a lot of people don't know is, you know, uh, we were the first to do uh, modification of the Glock frames, texturing the frames. Uh, Robbie was the first to actually do a, a uh, grip reduction on a Glock frame for an officer in Mesa PD that uh, was, uh, you know, a, a female officer that, I guess, lack of a better term, was digitally challenged, meaning that she had small hands, and she couldn't get her hand all the way around a, graf- a Glock 17 grip, and so Robbie actually did the first grip reduction. Uh, and so, we, you know, we've been doing Glock work for, you know, almost 30 years. Uh, the other thing that, as you know, I mean, Robbie uh, pretty much apprenticed under your dad when it came to building um, precision rifles, and, uh, you know, the first... Um, Precision rifles LAPD SWAT ever bought were Robar SR60s, and then the you know one of the first 50 cal rifles the Marine Corps ever bought was from Robar the RC50, and the Coast Guard just this year phased that rifle out. So we have a history in, in building precision rifles as well for law enforcement and military, uh, and we continue to do that. Uh, and then uh, we've just recently, you know, added in the last few years a our signature line of 1911s. That's where Robbie really gets started when when uh, Jeff Cooper in, invited Robbie to come teach a gun site back in 1977. Uh, you know, Robbie immigrated from South Africa, came here, began teaching a gun site. And then, of course, as students' guns would break in a class, he would uh, repair them. And that kind of 
he began uh, he's cutting his teeth here in the in the U.S. anyways is is a gunsmith, and then in 1983 became Gunsight's first full-time gunsmith. So we, and in keeping with that heritage, we we thought, well, why don't we have our own signature line of 1911s? And so we introduced those three years ago, and we do a. Uh, Two of those pistols are actually one is the Jeff Cooper's as uh, the Jeff Cooper pistol that we donate uh, money from the profits of that to the Jeff Cooper Legacy Foundation, and then also a pistol called the Serious Pistol that was based on an article that Jeff Cooper had written for American and Handgunner. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Guns and Ammo is an August issue of uh, 1986 Guns and Ammo that we. Um, also donate funds from that to the Jeff Cooper Legacy Foundation. They're two of our signature line of pistols. And then two years ago, we introduced uh, the first polymer upper and lower receiver AR, the Polymer 15. And it's not out of uh, ordinary for us to have done that because we've been working with polymer for nearly 30 years. So it was interesting for us to get started in, in uh, doing that. I was very skeptical at first, but the... Uh, the polymer that we're using is a very space age polymer. It's three times stronger than the polymer Glock uses, and its uh, melt point's two times higher. And so, after we got through a number of prototypes, testing it to see just how durable it was, how reliable it could be, as well as could it be uh, or not hinder accuracy. And once we we proved all that. Uh, we, you know, we went into production and we've been building them for the last few years, and and uh, we're very, we're very proud of that line as well. Hey, Freddie, I uh, wanted to ask you the the NP3 coating um, is used, you know, by by individuals, but you do have a, a number of manufacturers that use the NP3 coating. Are you at liberty to uh, tell us who some of those are? Or? They're well, some of them actually advertise the fact that they're using the MP3 plating, and that would be Wilson Combat on their bolt carrier groups, uh, uh, Barrett Firearms, uh, Sharps Rifle uh, Company on their uh, Sharps Reliabolt. Um, we, you know, also the Benelli H2O shotgun, that that is also MP3. But one of the interesting things about MP3 is that it's uh, heavily used within the aerospace industry. Now, McDonnell Douglas and Boeing and others give it a different trademark name of their own that they use, uh, but it is literally nickel Teflon or NP3. And I don't know if I heard this correctly, so correct me if I am wrong, but uh, don't some of our helicopter blades have that coating as well? It's or? not the blades. It's actually the gears that are in the in the rotor systems. Wow. So that way they're kept uh, self-lubricated and corrosion resistant the entire time. And, you know, there, there's an AR manufacturer named Anderson that says you never yeah. have to lube. Um, is that your... Coding as well, no, or is that a different? And how would it compare? Their um, their coating that they're using, or coating or play, I'm not sure exactly what it is. It might be DLC or an ion bond system. I'm not that familiar with it. I we had that question asked of us by a customer a few years ago, and so we did a little bit of research on on their uh, is it it says SF85 coating. I'm not familiar with it enough of with it to really you know, compare it or contrast it. Got it. So I don't know, you know, how good or bad it is. Um, and so, I, you know, I can't really talk to it. But, I mean, when you feel a bolt that has NP3 on it, you know it. I have a bolt carrier group with it, and it's just a heck of a difference. So much easier to clean and just keeps on going. So thank you for a good product. Well, the, the NP3 is is a nickel Teflon, 
N is for nickel, and then your, the abbreviated chemical name for Teflon is PTFE. So you have the letter P and three letters after it. That's how Robbie came up with the name. That He trademarked that name. I but see. he had the exclusive rights to nickel Teflon in the United States for well over 20 years. He bought those rights from the British scientists that had developed it for the oil industry in the North Sea back in like the late 1980s. You know, I know from the very beginning with uh, McMillan Brothers Rifle Company and then through the transition when I took over uh, to McMillan Firearms, every bolt and every action that we ever put on any rifle had MP3 on it. And the reason was exactly that. You know, we felt like uh, one of the biggest problems that we found from people sending their guns back because they didn't perform is that they got all kinds of goop and gunk and and grease and all over them that they didn't need. And with the MP3 on there, uh, no oil, no no lube, no bolt grease, nothing. I mean, it it was going to go just the way it came. And so that's something that we believed in a long time. And another company that you didn't mention, and I know Robbie has a good relationship with him, is – Diamond Blade Knives. Uh, Charles yes. Allen owns it, and uh, he uh, was having problems with, uh, you know, blood stains on the steel that he was using. And um, I'm not sure how the, the connection between he and Robbie came about, but Robbie says, I can fix that for you. <laughs> so uh, now all Diamond Blade Knives come with the MP3 finish on the blade, so you don't have to worry about, you know, sticking it back in the sheath when it's, you know, bloody and it and it's staining the blade. So it's awesome. Yeah, it, it really is. It's a great... Uh uh, product and my understanding is it's also been FDA approved. But uh, um, that Robbie still owns his other company, Coding Technologies, which does a lot of aerospace, uh, which includes parts that go on the International Space Station, as well as uh, Elon Musk's new SpaceX program. He does he does a lot of work for them as well. So let's get this clear for the customers that know. If they want MP3 or any type of metal finishing on any firearms, they contact you at Robar that's to have that done. Okay, that's correct. so that's the connection. That's correct. And, Freddie, i got to ask you, I'm, I'm a fan of yours on Facebook, and um, I don't know if it's because once a Marine, always a Marine, but I see a lot of pictures of you staying salty and doing <laughs> courses. And uh, Do you compete, or do you just continue to call it continuing professional education? <laughs> it's it's continuing professional education and under the guise of advertising or doing what I like to call guerrilla advertising. But uh, yeah, I used to compete. I used to shoot a lot of USPSAA, shot some three gun, um, both. But right after nine eleven, uh, and then also uh, you know with family, it was one of those things where I only have so much time. And uh, you know while competitive shooting is good, it puts you under uh, you know the 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 test of time, if you will. Uh, to perform, uh, the, the reality was for me is that hmm, I can spend five or six hours shooting 150 or 200 rounds, uh, or I can spend five or six hours shooting 500 rounds and actually get some skill development out of it. Uh, so I'm not I'm not opposed to competition. I think it's great, uh-huh. um, but I really truly think that uh, for me, anyways, at this point, uh, I like just doing uh, you know training a lot better. And I enjoyed the time you fused your uh, parental duties with your gun duties. I remember we took an armorer's course together about three or yes. four years ago, and you brought your son with, and yeah. that was kind of fun. So. Yeah, it's always good for, uh, you know, our, I, I like to say, you know, oftentimes people use the reference, well, you know, you need to child-proof your gun, and my response is, no, you need to gun-proof your child. My children from an early age always knew to hug daddy from the left side if they didn't want to bop their head. <laughs> you know, Freddie, one thing I know about you is that you're um, 
you're good about being involved in the community and working towards, uh, you know, keeping our gun rights and promoting business. And uh, I think the very first time we ever met was at a, a, a small business firearms related uh, uh, organization. Um, you know, now with the change in the administration and, and the things that, you know, we've already heard that some of the, the semi-auto uh, companies are, are seeing some uh, decline in sales. Uh, what are you going to do to try to, to make sure that Robar stays busy? Well, that's always a challenge, I think, with any business. Um, you know, if I'm not, I'm not sure if viewers have read that book, you know, Who Moved the Cheese. It's about, uh, you know, these mice that keep going to the same spot in the maze and the cheese is always there until one day it's gone. And then a couple of mice figure out, hey, you know what, I can, we can keep coming back here and uh, hoping the cheese will be here or we can you know, put on our shoes and go find it. And then the other two mice decide to just keep returning to the same spot and, you know, uh, start starving to death. So you're right. Uh, one of those things that we have to do is constantly uh, be looking at uh, where our market is moving and how we can help, uh, uh, you know, service that market as well as stay true to our you know, our heritage and our, and our niche background. So um, I'm always trying to keep my thumb on the pulse of what the industry is, is looking at, what our customers are looking for uh, to see if we can't, uh, you know, meet that need. We're, we're looking to start building a Precision AR-308. Uh, also looking at uh, some of the newer calibers. 6.5 Creedmoor is a caliber that is really becoming popular. And we see a lot of opportunity there to build some nice precision rifles, both in the semi-auto and bolt-action platforms uh, to meet that need. Um, I'm hearing some grumblings about maybe 6.5 Grendel on the smaller platforms. Uh, we'll see where uh, that goes. I'll do a little bit more research on that. Um, <clears throat> regarding firearms, one of the uh, opportunities that could be out there is with the SIG 320 picking up the military contract. Granted, Glock has recently protested it. We'll see where that shakes out. But the reality is, is that uh, if SIG continues to uh, move forward with that contract, there'll be opportunities for us to do um, some uh, grip texturing on those polymer frames that, you know, that will, you know, for those guns. Because usually when a military contract's awarded, there's a lot of collateral sales that go with that on the commercial side. And then finally, one of the things we're doing and I'm really excited about is working with Ernest Langdon. Um, with Langdon Tactical, if you're not familiar with Ernest Langdon, he's another former Marine. He got out as a staff sergeant. He was one of the instructors at the Marine Corps High Risk Personnel Corps. So Ernest was very uh, uh, proficient with, you know, shooting the Beretta 92s. He actually shot for Team Beretta. And uh, so what we're doing now is a signature model that uh, Ernest has uh, the PX4 compact carry that. Uh, Beretta is making that he is specced out, and then we do some additional modifications to it, uh, plating the internal parts within P3. Uh, Ernest does a trigger job, and then we've got a another. Uh, I guess it's going to be a 92A1 version that Ernest has got specced out that Beretta will be introducing later uh, this year, and we'll be also doing again some more metal finish uh, work with that, and Ernest will also be doing some trigger jobs with that. So that's that's where we're currently. Uh, po- uh, currently at and where we're, we're currently going. Well, I know that Robar from way back in the beginning has really been on the cutting edge. I know they took one of our stocks and cut it in half and, and put a, a, a folding stock on it, which is something that nobody else was doing. We didn't do it. We don't do it. Um, 
you know, there's very few companies that I would ever suggest to cut our stock in half and put a mechanism <laughs> on them. But, you know, knowing Robbie the way I did and, and his uh, attention to detail and quality, um, I was okay with that. And uh, it's something that, that he even probably still offers today um, that actually you offer today. Yeah, yeah so. we, we actually still do. Uh, yeah, and uh, it's on our – we do it on our QR2 rifle. Uh, that was actually – for a military contract where the paratroopers needed to be able to fold stocks in order to fit them in their jump bags. And uh, we built a number of those. We recently, not on the hinge, but on a way to keep the mechanism so that it would stay open. Or actually, when you've got it folded, where it would stay folded, uh, we've just uh, did uh, uh, a modification to it just so that when it's collapsed, people don't have to worry about it kind of swinging open when they don't want it to. Uh, it was when it was for the paratroopers, it worked fine because they were just going to put it in their jump bag. Once they pulled it out, they were going to then op- or have the stock unfolded and tightened down. But in this case, we've been getting some individuals that want to use it uh, hunting where they can collapse the stop, put it in their tr- travel case and, and uh, have it in that manner. So they, they, their only complaint was that the, the stock kind of flipped or, you know, couldn't stay in the, in the folded position and they wanted it changed. So we did a quick, uh, very easy modification to, to do that. But you're right. We're always looking to try to innovate and, you know, develop, uh, you know, newer, you know, new products for the market that are of interest and, and, you know, uh, use for our customers. Well, like I said, from the very beginning, Robar's been kind of synonymous with innovation and, and stand on the cutting edge. I know you mentioned that uh, Robbie learned how to be a gunsmith from my father, and that's an interesting story, but it's for another time. Um, it, so uh, I'm sure you're going to carry on the uh, the legacy of, of coming up with new things, and uh, I, I hope you continue to work with McMillan Fiberglass Stocks. It's been a sense of pride for us to be a part of Robar and, and be uh, contributing. Well, we absolutely will, Kelly, because uh, I don't think there's any any finer stocks that are out there than the Macmillan stocks. You guys do a great job manufacturing those. Thanks. I appreciate that. Um, we got just a little bit of time, and one thing we've neglected to do is to tell the customers, uh, our listeners, to what your website is and how they can get a hold of you. They can go to our website at robarguns.com, R-O-B-A-R-G-U-N-S.com. Uh, and they can also call us at 623-581-2648. Or they can email us at info at robarguns.com. Well, Freddie, I really appreciate you being here. It's been really interesting. Um, you know, though we've known each other for a while, I always er- er- learn a little bit uh, when I have a guest on the show that I didn't know before. So uh, it's been honest. Uh, I want to ask our listeners to stay tuned here. We're going to take a brief commercial, and we'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. For over 40 years, McMillan USA has been at the leading edge of the gunstock industry. The company was born out of the desire to improve and perfect form, function, and precision with every one of their premium fiberglass stocks. From tactical to hunting to competitive shooting, McMillan stocks are designed to dominate. Their signature three-way adjustable butt plates, adjustable cheek pieces, rail mounts, and adapters provide a versatile platform built on performance. Over 65 custom finishes are available, ranging from solid colors to camouflage. 
check out the Macmillan website for hundreds of stocks available for immediate delivery. And for those wanting something more specialized, call the knowledgeable and friendly staff at Macmillan for a complete list of options at 877-365-6148 or visit MacmillanUSA.com. Again, that's 877-365-6148 or visit MacmillanUSA.com. school to the pros we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports you are listening to taking stock with kelly mcmillan now back to the show welcome back to taking stock with kelly mcmillan i'm your host uh, we spent the first half hour talking to a former Marine. I think we're going to spend the next half hour talking to a former Marine. Um, you know, I, I really love Marines. As you've, If you've been listening to the show, you understand our connection through McMillan Fiberglass Stocks and mine personally with the, all of the Marines that, that I know. Um, right now, I've got Wyatt Mahan with me of Kilo Guns, and um, he's going to talk a little bit about uh, his uh, history. Uh, Wyatt, uh, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, w- w- let's start off with a little bit of your background, uh, where you grew up, um, you know, how you got into the Marines and, and uh, what you did while you were there and, and how you got into the firearms industry. Yeah, I grew up right here in Phoenix. Uh, had uh, cousins in the Marine Corps. Uh, and as a kid, they'd regale me with their stories of the, the first Gulf War. I, I thought that was just great. So uh, out of high school, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. So, of course, uh, went and joined the Marine Corps. Uh, wanted to... Wanted to do something that, uh, something like I have stories to tell my kids about. So I joined the infantry. When was that? Uh, signed up in December of 2000. So that was uh, just pre-9-11. Yeah. Okay. Time to just write, I guess. Yeah. Perfect. So you had something important that drove you while you were in there and uh, made you feel like you were worthwhile. Yeah. I, yeah. I want to do something uh, I can tell my kids. Good. Now, I know you were a uh, machine gunner. In the uh, in the Marine Corps, and uh, obviously we're not going to ask you to tell us any stories while you were over there. But um, uh, how does that shape you and and where you are today, and 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 what you do today? You know, the my experiences from from combat have really uh, really really shaped the man I am today. It it kind of puts things in perspective. Uh, no no matter how hard things get out here. It, it, it'll never be as bad as it was then. So it kind of helps me and drives me and, and, and helps my business. I know you're a great father and a loving husband. I, I follow all of our guests on Facebook, I guess. So I know a lot about <laughs> you all. And uh, I, I've seen that in, in what you do. Um, tell us a little bit about Kilo Guns. Uh, we started the business in 2011. Uh, started off doing your, your general gunsmithing, your, your firearm refinishing. And I've kind of moved on to... Uh, to custom weapons, custom rifles, uh, more of the foreign end, uh, the AK pattern rifles, the H and K pattern rifles, and we do a lot of uh, Cerakote finishing as well. Did uh, you go to school for gunsmithing? I mean, how do you get right into a job of fixing stuff? I did. I graduated from mm-hmm. uh, Yavapai College in 2011. That's an awesome program. I know when I was uh, running the firearms company, we hired a lot of grads there because they have a really good program and and seem to produce some pretty good uh, students that, that go on to have uh, good careers in the firearms industry. 
yeah, it was a it was a good time up there. Alan Lore, he he taught me a lot. Yeah, he's a good guy. Nice to deal with too. I remember you once telling me uh, why it's well. I guess a full disclosure is necessary. I'm, I'm an AK junkie. I do have an addiction, and uh, <laughs> I go to wide for all my AKs. Uh, I have them in various flavors, uh, in in different wood patterns and finishes, and um, I just can't wait till till he comes up with my next one. Um, you had mentioned once that uh, armor armor school taught you so much about how everything works. And yeah, did you go into that a little it, bit? It did. the The program at Yavapai it it really teaches you to be a machinist first, and then a gunsmith second. So if you ever need a part and you can't find it, you can always make it. And I I try to use that kind of stuff when it comes to building my weapons. Uh, the things they taught us with precision rifles, the tightness and uh, getting the accuracy down, all that kind of stuff. I try to apply that to my to my AKs and my my H and Ks. You know, you have some employees, I assume. Um, yes, I, I know you're busy. Uh, we found that it was easier for us to hire somebody who knows something about guns that wasn't necessarily a machinist than to hire a machinist that knew nothing about guns. I mean, there is so much stuff that, uh, you know, unless you have some sort of background in firearms, you just don't get it. We try to find a, a happy blend of both. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in part of your program at the school, uh, they taught you how to be a machinist. What kind of what kind of uh, equipment? Uh, they run you on the basic lathe work, uh, basic mill work. Mm-hmm. Uh, start off uh, just cutting certain dimensions, meeting certain specs, and then going up to making uh, barrels. So, did you have a, a project rifle for for the school? I did. What'd you build? I built a uh, a Mauser action rifle in three hundred wind mag. Uh, did you put a wood stock on it, or I did. Okay, I know we we donate a lot of stocks and actually sell them stocks at, at a, a really cheap price so that they can have their uh, students there have availability to it. Because you know, in this day and age, there's not a lot of uh, people building high dollar guns that are putting strictly wood stocks only on them. If you haven't had any chance to work with fiberglass, it's uh, a little bit different. In fact, I still have the uh, the McMillan stock they gave us up there. I haven't used it yet. <laughs> okay, well, let me know when you need. It. <laughs> we'll we'll help you out. Now, I know why you uh, uh, recently did a couple of uh, barreled actions for uh, Kelly um, in different colors, and that brings a Cerakote back to the to the mix. What got you involved in Cerakote? And I know you're a Marine, but can you disclose that you have an artistic side to you, or how does that work? As a, as a kid, I really liked art. I was into drawing and uh, dabbled in painting, and uh, I, I think I can kind of express myself through the Cerakote uh, that way. And uh, I, I like doing, I can do this, the single pattern stuff, that's, that's no big deal. But I really like doing camel patterns or, or just patterns in general, things you don't see normally on a gun. And so those are available through Kilo Guns? Yes, they are. Uh-huh. So uh, talk to us about how one would get in touch with you or get a hold of Kilo Guns. Uh, you can get a hold of us on our website, kiloguns.com. Uh, shoot us an email, info at kiloguns.com, and... Uh, Basically, we can do whatever you can dream up. Yeah, that's that's pretty simple. Kilo guns, you know. If, yeah, in this day and age, finding both an email address and a and a, a website that's uh, easy to remember and easy to get to is, is not all that easy. So, kiloguns.com. That's that's pretty cool. And I think that comes from your time with the Kilo Company in the Three Seven Marines. Is that correct? That is correct. I was with the uh, <laughs> Kilo Company, Third Battalion, Seven Marines. I was a machine gunner. Our Carl sign was Kilo Guns. I had the opportunity to spend one night of debauchery with you and your mates 
about three years ago uh, over on the west side. You, you still all get together, and that was a fun window into the camaraderie that you all share. So, <laughs> Do you build any um, – you, you talked about precision rifles, and I know you're mostly into semi-autos. you build any bolt, uh, bolt guns? You know, I don't do a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like everybody that I went to school with, that's what they wanted to do. So I kind of went a different path and went down the, the military semi-autos. Yeah, cool. Uh, obviously, you've got enough business to keep you busy. We do. Yeah. Uh, and how did you develop the business? You know, it was just by word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, did some jobs for some people, and they liked it. And it, it, it snowballed. And did you start doing this as a hobby, or did you, you know, after you got out of school, says, I'm, I'm going into business? It, that was the drive. I was going into business, uh-huh. but it it was really more of a hobby, working out of my garage, okay. and then we expanded and got where we are today. You know, I don't know of any other industry except maybe the printed t-shirt business where you can actually start a business in your garage and work it into a really substantial business like McMillan Fiberglass Talks. You know, it didn't really start in our garage. It started on our dining room table with my dad <laughs> making and my mom making stocks on the dining room table. Um, but, you know, there just aren't a lot of industries where you can do that, you know, have a dream, uh, start doing something that you love, get paid for it, and then figure out how to make a living doing that. It, you know, it doesn't even feel like a job. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's awesome. Yeah, somebody told me that if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life, so... <laughs> Um, so what is it that, that draws you to AKs? What is it that you like about them? You know, I think it was just, it was different. And I was so used to the mm-hmm. M16 or the M240. It was, it was almost forbidden. And it, it really drew my attention. I was really fascinated by that, that weapon system. And, uh, yeah, I started dabbling with it over in Iraq and build them today. Now, you recently took a uh, receipt of uh, several dozen uh, HK uh, kits, is that correct? Yes, we, we have uh, quite a few MP5 parts kits we're building right now. And tell us a little bit about those, what they go for, uh, what the appeal is, and who your audience that you would sell to might be. We, we build them in various formats, uh, depending on what style of rifle you're looking for, either pistol, SBR, or, or long rifle. Um, they start at about 1800 and go as high as 4500 depending on what you want. And uh, we, we like to do them in, in mil-spec fashion. So you're obviously obviously an, an SOT. Yes. Yeah, and that's something I think that we need to talk about. I think it more of that needs to be talked about for our listeners because I think a lot of people are really um, either in the dark about what uh, the um, the NFA um, is all about and how they go about owning some of these products that they think uh, really are banned and they're and they're not like you know suppressors today. There are, I think, 42 or 43 states that allow you to hunt with a suppressor, and I know that there's being work done to to try to take them off the NFA list so that we don't have to have a, a tax stamp or, uh, for them. But um, talk to us about, as a customer, if they bought a, an, an NFA item from you, what they have to go through, what you do, and, and how that applies to, to your commerce. What I try to do, especially with the MP5s, I try to get the customer to buy it as a pistol first. Uh, then they can submit their Form 1 to the ATF applying to make it into an SBR. That way they don't have to wait for it at my shop for 8 to 10 months. They can still utilize it as they like while they're waiting for their tax stamp. Uh, or if they have to have it as an SBR right from the get-go, uh, we submit the, the application with a copy of their trust and all that kind of fun stuff and send it off to the ATF and 
wait for it to come back approved and we transfer it over to the, the customer. So there isn't any reason why a, a person couldn't own a short-barreled rifle or a suppressed rifle or even a full full auto machine gun no, as long as they go through the, the hoops that the government requires in, in order for them to own them. Correct. And that's where I need a little delineation. So can a person come to you and ask you to make them a select fire or a full auto from that kit, or uh, it was my understanding that there's a finite amount of them since 1986 that circulate, or can you make a new one for somebody? A- after 1986, uh, you, the civilian, cannot own a newly manufactured machine gun. It would have to be made prior to 1986 and have that exacerbated cost attached to it. Got it. Okay. So right now, you know, suppressors are the things that we deal most with. Do you do, do any work with suppressors? You We, we do yeah. a little bit, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, something you've thought about maybe... Uh, I, I've considered possibly manufacturing our own, but mostly it's just uh, customizing or transferring for customers. That's right. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's quite a, a a unique trait to those people who are in the suppressor business. And, and I will tell you this on the air, and I'll admit to it. Uh, most people who manufacture suppressors are crazy. I mean, they, they really are. And you you can talk to anybody who's dealt with more than one or two of them, and they'll they'll um, back me up on that because I don't know what it is about people who get into that business, but they're just not all there. <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to admit to, oh, I'm going to make it, uh-oh, why it's going down the dark hole. <laughs> Yeah, let's um, let's talk a little bit about you and the community and and the firearms here. You know, uh, we've been really fortunate. My father was born and raised in Arizona. We really never considered living anywhere else or or building our business here. As it turns out, the fact that the weather here is warm and dry is probably the best place in America to make fiberglass gun stocks, without a doubt. Um, in most of the rest of the country, they have to worry about how much they pay for heating, and, and with us, it's how much we pay for cooling. But but the fact is is that uh, both humidity and the lack of, of high temperatures other places would affect our business adversely. Um, you grew up here, so you came home. But the environment here is is pretty conducive to starting a firearms business and and being successful. It seems that way. I mean, everybody can shoot year round. Yeah, so there's never a, a lull in uh, in work. I guess you'd say. Cool. And so that's you haven't thought about living anybody anywhere else. You just figured you were going to no, come here, come I'm home, and sticking in Phoenix. Yeah, cool. Well, now that we got you on the radio and on the spot, um, I've wanted to know this being. Phoenix and, of course, Scottsdale. We have a lot of famous folks who own second or third homes out here. Is there anybody that you can disclose that you've done a very nice special Cerakote pattern or a specific custom gun for? Other than Kelly? <laughs> Other than <laughs> Kelly, yes. Uh, we did a job for uh, Frank DeSoma at POF uh, for a gal by the name of Leah Pennick. She was on that uh, Annie show, American Hoggers. And we uh, customized two of her guns in kind of a, a pink camouflage using her her hog logo, and uh, it came out pretty good. Okay, awesome. Um, I haven't heard of that show, but I think I know who you're talking about because I think I met her at the SHOT Show this year. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I thought you, the work you did on the Cerakote um, was top-notch, uh, great colors. And, and the thing about Cerakote is they've been really good. Uh, to work with as a manufacturer when we've asked for custom stuff they've given us everything that we've ever asked for uh, that, 
we actually have a, a there's they offer a color that's called McMillan tan. So <laughs> I guess we were a big enough customer that they decided <laughs> they'd offer that color to, to other people. But um, I wouldn't put any other finish other than MP3. And when I made uh, rifles, there was a line of rifle that I, in, I MP3'd the entire barrel to action. And that was a an African dangerous game gun because in Africa, you're you're either going to end up in the swamp or in, in the rain. And, and so uh, I thought it was important to do that. Uh, but Cerakote's the only metal finish I'll put on a gun. I, I do like it. It's it's durable and it holds up to all the misuse you can you can throw at it. Yeah, and if you approach it right and and you know have the ovens and and bake it and do everything that you're supposed to, you know there are other finishes out there that say, well, you know, it'll air cure in 30 days. Well, I I can't not ship a gun for 30 <laughs> days just waiting for the stuff to cure. So yeah, it it it's a good product. Well, Wyatt, I really appreciate you being here with us. Thanks for spending the time. Uh, good luck with your business. I know that uh, you're doing extremely well. Uh, it's uh, it's one of the hardest things for us is not necessarily getting the business because once the business starts, it's figuring how to get it all done without uh, upsetting your customers. Uh, so is that um, you know basically what you're trying to do is trying to grow with the business right now? Yeah, that's what we're yeah. trying to do right now and, and try to keep up with the, the workload we yeah. have coming in. How big's your shop now? We have three employees right now, mm-hmm. one part-time guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, is that in a um, industrial shop? Yes, we're uh-huh. just just south of the Deer Valley Airport here oh, in North oh, Phoenix. Oh, cool. So yeah, you're right, right around the corner. Um, so how big is the shop? Fifteen thousand or fifteen hundred square feet or somewhere? Oh, around about uh, twelve hundred. Yeah, twelve hundred. Yeah, that's usually about what the normal incubator bay is around here. About <laughs> uh, somewhere between a thousand fifteen hundred square feet. Uh, I imagine it probably won't be long. You'll you'll take the same type of transition we did from one bay to two, and then uh, about five years from now, you'll be looking to build your own facility. <laughs> That's the plan. <laughs> yeah, well, good luck with that. I really hope everything works out well. Uh, I also want to thank you for your time as a Marine. I really appreciate the fact that you're willing to stand on a wall for us and uh, protect us and, and our freedoms and our liberty. Um, it's it's always good to have a Marine on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks. Appreciate it. And once again, we come to the end of another great show. I want to thank all of our listeners for spending your very valuable time with us. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you back here on voiceamerica.com sports channel for another session of Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Goodbye for now. Thank you for tuning in to Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Be sure to come back for more next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time at 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The weekend is here. Enjoy yourself. We'll talk again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.